There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's February 9th, 2002, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali. The Retrospectors. It was Britain's biggest pop battle since Blur versus Oasis, but the rock and roll credentials were thinner today in history in 2002. On one side, Gareth, a 17-year-old former head chorister of Bradford Cathedral. On the other, Will, a politely spoken 23-year-old alumnus of public school Wellington College, both singing a cover of an unreleased Westlife album track. And yet, the nation was gripped, because this was the first ever final of the show that spawned American Idol... Pop Idol. And it's estimated that more than 15 million people tuned in. 8.7 million went to the trouble of voting via their telephones to uh, select ultimately Will as being the winner. And as the result was announced, uh, Gareth turns to Will and says, if there's one person who deserves it, it's you, Will. And it's just this sort of astonishing moment of niceness in a show that, as you say, spawned so many of those reality TV shows that at least have a judgmental, if not nasty, undercurrent. Yeah, BT spokesperson said that the volume of calls had threatened the national network. Uh, And apparently (laughs) the viewing figures were anticipated to be so large as they were that the national grid called ITV to check the ad break times to prepare for potential surges in electricity use during the breaks. I mean, I remember how nail-biting the final was, although with the clarity of hindsight, I will say Will Young was obviously the superior artiste. (laughs) I was definitely... Definitely a sucker for Gates's Boy Next Door appeal, and I was livid when he was so obviously robbed. And I distinctly remember thinking of Will Young as the old one. He was 23. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, though, that it was nice. I'm glad you said that, because um, that's the bottom line. I think the public were enthralled by this format because, yes... You know, talent TV shows have always had a place in the nation's hearts. It had been a few years since Opportunity Knocks and New Faces and it was time for a reboot. And yes, Simon Cowell made his debut in this show and was a bit nasty sometimes. But really, (laughs) it's because they're both obviously really nice guys that the public went for these two in the final, I think. I mean, the the ITV tried their best to make this feel like a battle. Um, you know, so you had sort of North versus South in Gareth versus Will, and you had kind of working class versus obviously from quite posh stock in Will's case. But really, they obviously liked each other and were both quite genial and both, you know, could sing. <laughs> it was actually <laughs> just quite a pleasant contest that, by contrast with what came afterwards, feels quite pure and innocent. Yeah, so even though singing talent competitions weren't exactly anything new by 2001, the main difference between that and this format, which was created by Spice Girls' Svengali Simon Fuller, is that whereas those earlier shows really gave a platform for people who already had a little bit of profile or already had an obvious talent, the opportunity to become bigger stars, this show really plucked people from absolute obscurity, threatening to turn them into 
total international pop icons. And that sort of happened maybe in Will's case, and it a little bit happened in Gareth's case. I don't know about international, but certainly national. But I think this show is really ripe for captivating the public consciousness because in 2000 along came Big Brother and became a real hit and then a TV staple, and people just couldn't get enough of it. And so there was room for a revival of a show like this. Yeah, and Pop Idol only ran for two series, but I think it feels much longer because it was sandwiched between pop stars and the X Factor. And Pop Idol kind of served as a transition from one model of reality show to another because, and I had totally forgotten this, even though I watched it avidly, pop stars didn't have a public vote at all. Pop stars was framed as a documentary in which viewers watched the judges go through the process of building a pop group. So there was that manufacturing uh, a pop star element to it, but it it was all pre-recorded. You know, the idol format, the one that would involve the audience directly voting on live shows, that was what transformed it. And Soap Stars, which was a follow-up on the original Pop Stars format and was about creating a new soap family, that was still airing when Pop Idol launched and it was a massive flop. It just showed that the future was the public vote. And also the live element too, not just the fact that it gave the public an opportunity to have their say, but also it, it added something to the interplay of the judges. You know, you mentioned that it was a nice competition and it was nice in the way that the contestants interacted with one another. The edge to it came from that sometimes very fractious interplay of the judges. That was on the big draws of pop stars. But again, that was all pre-recorded. The live Mm. shows made that argumentative edge even more exciting and the producer Nigel Lithgow who by this point was an old hand really knew how to play up the drama you know he would go to the press in the guise of ticking off Simon Cowell and Pete Waterman uh, in, in one quote he said their argument in last Saturday's show went too far and is unacceptable in any future shows I reminded them that the talent was appearing in front of them and they should not hijack the show with their own petty quarrels yeah it's so interesting the sort of centering of the judges which of course went absolutely full pelt with the X Factor which is built all around the relationship with the judges and suddenly you have these turbocharged celebrities becoming judges Sharon Osbourne but Mm. at this stage it was still under the guise of well these are music industry veterans and they have an opinion that's worth hearing and they'll try and be reasonable and the idea was that when it got to the live finals the judges wouldn't have any say at all it would be entirely up to the public but Claudia Rosencrantz the ITV executive the second time we've mentioned her on this show because uh, she came up in our Who Wants to Be a Millionaire episode as well. Her understanding of the public taste was absolutely on the money as ever here. She was like, uh, no, the judges need to be in the finals as well. The reason this is creating interest is because of that friction. And it is notable that although I think both Will Young and Gareth Gates probably did deserve to be the final two in this contest, really the reason that they made it through to the finals was that both of them had had an element of interest in their auditions that went beyond doing a competent performance. In Gareth Gates's case, it's that he had a stammer. Uh, they edited it, actually, so that it only created an awkward 10 seconds. In reality, it was more like 10 minutes for him to be able to get his name out in the room. So you had that classic uh, talent show journey. You know, here's a teenager, good-looking boy, decent voice, can't talk. And in Will Young's case, it was that he gave a performance of Light My Fire and Simon Cowell called it average and he, quote, fought back. I mean, if you look back at the words of how he fought back now in the you know harsh light of the 21st century, again, it seems quite reasonable. <laughs> he says, uh, <laughs> I think in this show you've been better and I think you've given opinions and I think you've backed up your opinions, which is what the other three judges do, which is what I respect. It's your opinion, but I don't agree with it. I don't think it was average. I don't think you could ever call that average, but it is your opinion and I respect that. So thank you very much. <laughs> that was apparently the fight between Will Young and, and Simon Cowell. But it was, it was someone That's speaking amazing. up to the nasty judge on telly and so both of them had a backstory 
Although I will say, unlike most of its successes, Pop Idol really did act as a springboard to, if not household name levels of fame, at least a steady career in entertainment. You know, many of the finalists, Zoe Burkett, she went on to have a West End career. She's still on the West End now. Jessica Garlic represented the UK at Eurovision. I mean, it's not all huge successes, but, you know, it certainly was a springboard to something. There wasn't that sense that you sometimes get from later incarnations of the same format that it's a format that's using people and throwing them away. And in fact, the fact that series two of Pop Idol couldn't really produce this was actually a big factor in its demise. And it's interesting watching this final episode of the first series of Pop Idol again because um, they have battle buses uh, to represent Will and Gareth as they go on their promotional blitz of the UK and rosettes which again I think is just a (laughs) genius move by ITV to ape the language of an election and to try and get people excited about their candidates. But I think, you know, it is interesting to look back on some of the careers that unfolded from this, because a few of the finalists did have recording careers. Gareth and Will both did. Um, Darius Campbell, then known as Darius Dinesh, he had a bit of early success. Rick Waller was another interesting one. He actually withdrew from the competition quite early on. He ended up having a top 10 hit with a cover of I Will Always Love You. But he, these days, apparently has been working as an exam invigilator and runs a mobile karaoke and disco service with his dad. These things happen. You know, people cannot stay necessarily within this industry forever. And it's interesting to consider that there is life after being a pop star. It's just maybe not the way that Rick had imagined when he was making it into the top 10, at least. Meanwhile, you know, Will Young has gone on to have four UK number one albums and a successful Western career. I saw him um, as the MC in Cabaret and he was amazing. And actually, yeah. that touches on another thing, which is... a a little reminder of the era is that he didn't publicly reveal his sexuality until after winning. This is a really odd thing of the times, but in a review of the Pop Idol tour, of which more later, The Independent was tellingly hostile about this. They described Young as a fat-tongued, canoe-chinned toff who kept quiet about his sexuality until the counting was done, as if they were accusing him of, you know, perpetrating a trick on the nation by you know, <laughs> fooling them into voting for a singing talent when he was secretly gay the whole time. Yeah, and actually he wasn't secretly gay. You know, he was openly gay in his real life, just didn't see any need to talk about it, you know, to the cameras. It's astonishing as well to think that it was a whole three weeks after this final event today in history that the song Evergreen came out, because that's how long it used to take (laughs) to publish a CD and get it to stores. Whereas obviously when the X Factor was on, they used to make a big song and dance about, you know, Andy Peters is going to press a big blue button and then it'll be on iTunes. Um, (laughs) But uh, it sold more than a million copies and stayed in the charts for 16 weeks. It also spawned a successful nationwide finalist tour. And I was among the crowds who turned out Yay! to see it. My mum and dad took me to see it Saturday 23rd of March at the Birmingham NEC. I had just turned 11 and I was extremely into it. I mean, that's that's real Gareth country, isn't it, Birmingham? Yeah. Still crying into your Gareth Rosie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely wrong. And so another week of retrospecting ends. But next week begins a day early at Club Retrospectors. Join us now to get an exclusive episode every Sunday. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. 
only from Rustolium.